Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Healing Room. I'm glad you guys are here. I actually wanted to start out asking if anybody had a testimony from the healing service last night. I know that I do. So I've been having, um, well, for a while now, I've been having some, I wouldn't necessarily call it pain. It's more like a tightness in my hip. And lately it's been more often. And like, it's been like keeping me up at night sometimes. So I got in prayer for that and instantly I felt it start to loosen up. And today it's felt like a normal hip again. <laughs> so I'm um, praising the Lord for that. I also know Tyler, um, he had his wrist hurting because one of the people he caught like felt kind of weird and did something to his wrist. And he's, he was thinking, man, I need to get in line before this ends. But he said before he could get in line, he had received his healing and it was already better. So praise the Lord for that. Anybody else? You can still share. Oh. Well, if you, do any of you guys know, I know Ayla knows, Bill Winston. Who knows Bill Winston? If you don't know him, you need to watch him on YouTube. He's awesome, but if you listen to some of his messages, they're, they're pretty much like pastors, but pastor has his own style. You know, pastor is pastor. So he had like an international faith conference not last week, but the week before that, man, I'm like, I've got to get to Chicago and go to one of those. And I'm like, why isn't pastor preaching at one of those? He needs to be there. Anyway, well, the last day he had like a miracle healing service. It was, it was bomb. I mean, it was off the chain. I was watching it. Um, and it was just so, so amazing. So I've been having problems. It's been a while to where, I don't know, like on my left side, um, sort of like in my groin, but not. So when I sat for a long time or I got up or I exercised, it would always bother me. And I would always limp. And I, you know, I was always declaring my healing, going, no, you dumb devil, I'm healed. But anyway, I would just ignore it. But I got in faith as I was watching this conference, and he was like, look, he said the same thing past. He was like, I ain't got to touch you. I ain't got it. There's no, there's no uh, distance in the spirit. He was like, so I'm just going to declare over you, and you're just going to receive it. And I raised my hands, and I received it, and I have not had any problems since then. I mean, man, if you guys get a chance, watch it online. I mean, some of the same things that pastor is preaching, that's why I know it's by the spirit, because he's teaching the same things that pastor's teaching. So. Amen. Yeah, so we talk a lot in Healing Room about how God is our physical healer. Um, and I think that a lot of people are expecting me today to talk about what I've learned through the last season of my life, trying to get pregnant and things like that. But I actually felt like I was supposed to talk about emotional healing today, which is not something that I typically talk about. But that's what I'm going to talk about today. And I wanted to start out talking about the smaller stuff, kind of day-to-day stuff, and then talk about the bigger stuff at the end. So, um, and the reason for that is because they both can affect how you live for God and what you do for God and how you interact with his people. 
So lately, I have heard some people um, talk about, you know, is it even worth it to get married because they see different struggles that people face and they want to know, is this actually beneficial to me to get married or is it just going to be a distraction? And um, Ty and I, we, on Sunday, it'll be our one-year anniversary, so we've been married a year. And it's been, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, so it's really been the best year of my life ever. Um, Tyler is my best friend, and he always has been. Um, and even though we've only been married a year, we've lived a lot of life together. And um, Andrew was there for parts of it, too. Um, Tyler always mentions when we got in a car accident. And the reason is because that really bonded us. Like, Tyler didn't have a job at the time. Then he got in a wreck. And so he didn't have money. Me and Andrew and Tyler, we did what we had to do to make things work. And, um, it, like, that was, we learned what it meant to uh, have, when, yeah, we, we learned at that time what the phrase meant. Uh, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times because looking back, it was so much fun, but it was so bad at the same time. But that's really what brought uh, Tyler and I together, so... Um, I just wanted to bring that up so you know kind of where Tyler and I have come from and that even though we've only been married a year, we've been through a lot together. Um, something that most, I think most people know about Tyler is it's, it takes him about 0.2 seconds to put you in your place. Like <laughs> he comes up with something real quick and it can hurt your feelings if you're not ready. He's changed a lot recently, but just knowing the natural, he can bring you down real quick. Now, something that mo maybe a lot of you don't know about me is I can hurt your feelings pretty bad, too. Like, <laughs> I've learned to control my temper, but if I get over there, it's not, it's not good. And so being married to him, I've had to, we've both had to learn how to control that. And... Um, I've also learned in marriage that it's not just the big things. The small things become the big things. Um, <laughs> and it's not just in marriage. I'm sure it's every relationship that you spend a lot of time with the person. And the thing about Winter's Church is some of us at Winter's Church spend a lot of time together. So it can be even people at Winter's Church that you have to apply these principles to. Um, but... Yeah, I learned that the small things that you don't let go, they can end up being the things that can drive you apart. Um, and I put, nobody wants to spend time with someone who is always mad at them. <laughs> and anger builds easily. Um, so in marriage, I've learned about forgiveness. And the faster I learn, the faster I make the decision to forgive, the better it is and the easier it is. I, I use this example, like I... I've gotten a text message before, which sometimes texting is good because it gives you a minute to think about how you're going to respond. And I've, and it hasn't been anything bad. It's like something I wanted Tyler to do, for instance, and, he, and I asked him if he did it. Oh, no, I forgot. Now, I have a second. And I've thought to myself, Ayla, do you want to have a good day or do you want to have a bad day? Because you're about to decide right now. Tyler's not deciding. He just forgot, and that's okay. You're about to decide how the rest of this day is going to go. 
So I can either make it a big deal, try to make them feel bad, or I can be like, oh, it's okay. And if you think about it, how, how do I want him to respond if I do the same thing? Because I forget things too. I don't want him to get mad at me. I want him to say, oh, it's okay. I'm sure you had a lot to do. And because Tyler's good to me, that's normally what he does. <laughs> so that's something I've had to learn is the sooner I make that decision, the better. Um, and I put... That's true in every relationship. We always think our excuses should be good enough, but how often do we think that the other person's reasons are? The second thing I've learned is once you choose to forgive, you give up your right to prove a point. Because <laughs> I know sometimes we like to say, oh, it's okay, but we're just waiting for the moment to be like, I told you so. And that's not, that's not truly forgiving them. Um, so when I say I've, for instance, it's just, I'm using marriage, but it goes for everything. When I say, Tyler, I forgive you, then that means I'm not going to bring it up again <laughs> when the opportunity comes. Um, and I, when I was preparing for this, I was thinking about the scripture in Matthew that says, turn the other cheek. And every time I've heard that before, I just thought, okay, you're just giving of yourself again. But to, um, when I was preparing for this, I was thinking, you know, it doesn't just mean give of yourself again. It means give of yourself like you haven't been hurt before. Because like if you think about it, if you're showing them, oh, you hurt me before, but I'm still going to give this to you, that's not beneficial either, and that's not really forgiving someone. But if you give like you haven't been hurt, that's different. Uh, one of the, my favorite things I've read in the New Living Bible is the love chapter. In the New Living Bible, it says, love hardly even notices when it's done wrong. And I love, I personally love when scriptures make it easy to check yourself. It's either you're this or you're that. And that, to me, makes it really simple to find out if you're walking in love or not. You know, are you um, taking notes of all the wrongs that they've done to you? Or are you loving them? Because you can't do both, <laughs> at least not well. Um, once someone rubs us the wrong way, that's what we tend to do. From then on, everything about them is wrong. And that's not in just in marriage. That's friendships. That's people at church. Um, another thing is you have to be careful not to get caught up in someone else's view of somebody. And this is just kind of a silly example, but... Um, I remember one time in middle school, I had an art class, and I became friends with the girl sitting across from me, and one day she told me, I don't like that girl down there. And me being like, oh, I need to be loyal to her because she's my friend, I was like, well, I don't like her either. And, uh, <laughs> and I wasn't mean to her, but I never offered my friendship to her. I never even gave her a chance. I just, to me, she wasn't there. And then towards the end of the semester, I... I was. I saw she had the same binder as this girl, and I said, "Hey, did you know she has the same binder as you?" And she said, "Yeah, that's why I don't like her." And I. And even back then, even back then, I was like, "Are you kidding me? I just spent a whole semester not liking someone because of this dumb reason." And that's and that's a really silly example, but that's the same trap that we fall into with people today. Uh, sometimes we hear a version of the story that may or may not be correct or 
uh, and then we base our whole opinion of somebody off of that, and that's not good. Um, something else I was thinking about along those lines is to take note of how we influence people to see other people, especially if you're a leader in church, you know, we have a lot of responsibility and people follow us. And if we're influencing people to react in a negative way towards people, then that's on us. <laughs> um, so how we treat each other and even how we talk about each other is important. Um, Tyler mentioned when he did Healing Room um, that I had brought up the scripture in Ephesians 4 that says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. And how a lot of us thought when it said corrupt communication, it meant vulgar words. But the Lord really began talking to Ty and I about our words and for Tyler, God was pointing out that what's considered corrupt communication can change depending on the season, um, which that was an awesome word, and it helped us out, and I'm sure it helped a lot of people out. But the Lord kind of took me in a different direction, and um, the Lord was pointing out to me that a lot of times we take one scripture or one sentence, and we quote that, and because of that, we don't get the whole picture of what it's saying, and we just assume it means the part that we said. Um, so for that reason, sometimes it's good to read the whole paragraph or the whole chapter. And um, we don't have to read it out loud, but if you want to turn there, you can, um, to Ephesians 4. And I specifically read out the New King James Version, and I just kind of want to go over what the whole chapter says. So I can wait, because I know the key is turning there. Um, so the first part of that chapter is talking about walking worthy of your calling and walking in unity, remembering that there's one body. The next part of the chapter is about spiritual gifts and ministry gifts and how everyone has a part. The next part is about putting on the new man, not walking like how we used to walk and being renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then the part about corrupt communication, I thought it was awesome in the New King James Version, it's titled, Do Not Grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, so if you read that whole section, it talks about speaking truth and not letting sun go down on your anger or giving place to the devil. The whole sentence says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. So what I took out of that is if I'm not edifying people, I'm speaking corruptly. <laughs> Um, it goes on to say in the very next sentence, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So if I'm speaking words that tear people down and accuse them, I'm running the risk of grieving the Holy Spirit. It says, uh, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, which clamor means to make a demand loudly, and slander, which means making false and damaging statements about someone, be put away from us along with all malice. And I never noticed this before, but it says all these things, and then it says along with all malice, which then malice is the intention or desire to do evil because it can oh, sorry, the intention or desire to do evil. But I thought it was interesting. It says, you know, keep these things away from you along with all malice, which means to me that our intention doesn't have to be for it to be evil. 
our intention can be to prove our point or tell our truth or even to vent, but the Bible still says to keep it away from us, whether it's along with malice or not. Um, and then the chapter finishes with saying, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. That tells me that this is what I need to determine my speech. And the reason is because we're all one body. We each have a part to play. And in order to play my part well, I need to be careful not to grieve the Holy Ghost by letting corrupt communication come out of my mouth, especially about other people. And I just want to bring up that it, like I said, it doesn't, our intention doesn't have to be to be evil towards them. Um, I felt like that was really important. And Tyler also wanted me to keep adding in that this all has to do with healing, even though I'm talking about forgiving and watching how we talk. It all has to do with healing. Um, so most of you know my testimony, but just in case people are here or are listening online that don't, I did. I had a pretty rough life before getting saved. Um, the short version is that I was abused by my biological mom's boyfriend uh, to the point that I was put in the hospital at least twice. And the second time, I actually died a few times. Um, but the Lord's hand was on me, and I'm here today. Um, so I was three years old when that happened, and because I was so young, that means that before I got saved, I don't remember a time where my mind wasn't telling me that there was something wrong with me. I don't remember a time that my mind wasn't telling me that I wasn't good enough, that I was damaged, and that I wasn't love, as lovable as everyone else. Um, but once I got better physically from what happened to me, I went into foster care for about a year. And then I ended up living with my uh, my biological dad and my stepmom, who I call my mom. <laughs> um, and then eventually they split up. And the first time I went with my dad, second time, I stayed with my mom. And then she was struggling with things. And so um, when I was a teenager, I actually went to live with my aunt. And then I stayed there a few years. And because of different things, I ended up going from there to a one of my best friends, her family. So because I was moved around a lot, that kind of reinforced the idea that I wasn't good enough, that, you know, I wasn't good enough to have a family like everyone else did. I, I, because everyone that I felt like I should have been able to count on wasn't there, that just went along with what the enemy had planted in my mind already. Um, so basically... I only identified at that time as to what had happened to me. Um, but that brings me to meeting Jesus. So in um, 2012, I gave my heart to Jesus. Today is actually my 10-year born-again birthday. So it was awesome. Uh, Pastor Zig led me to the Lord. He called me out, and he said, um, are you living for Jesus? And I didn't want to say no, so I said, I don't know. And he was like, well, let's take care of that. And so he prayed for me, and I just cried, cried, cried. He had somebody else, another girl, pray for me. And, man, I left change that night. Um, the moment that I gave my heart to Jesus, everything changed. It was the first time that I felt unconditional love. And uh, Pastor Zig, he sometimes talks about how 
um, during that revival, I would jump everywhere, like in and out of the church. I was just so, and the reason is because I never felt that free. I never felt that happy before. And I, at the time, I didn't know how to handle it. So all I could do is just jump around and I'm like having a great time. Now I've gotten more used to it. So I walk better now, but sometimes I'm, I'm still a little bouncy. <laughs> um, but the first thing that the Lord began dealing with me about is moving forward. Um, something I've noticed in the 10 years I've been saved is that one of the biggest things that the enemy does is try to get people stuck in a cycle. And usually it's because of something happened to them at some point, And now to them, that's shaped who they are. Um, and that's all that they can identify as. You know, they can only identify as the girl who was abused or the guy who was divorced or the girl who was bullied. To them, that's who they are, and that's, that kind of limits who they can be. Um, and just in the natural, it's, if nothing else, it's going to affect you in your relationships. But in the spirit, it can affect you from becoming who God actually wants you to be. Um, so one of the very first things I remember hearing God tell me specifically is that we cannot be more than a conqueror and a victim of circumstances at the same time. Another way of saying that is we cannot live our lives according to what was or wasn't done to us now, what was or wasn't done to us. Now we get to live our lives according to the price that Jesus paid for us. Um, and I, I don't know if this is how it works for everyone, but for me, realizing that my life wasn't determined by my past was the first step to forgiving people and my first step to moving on. So um, God began to tell me things like he's given me beauty for ashes. And that to me means he took something that was destroyed beyond repair and made it into something beautiful that brings glory to him. He told me that I hadn't missed one thing because everything I ever could or would have is available to me now. And now here I am 10 years later, and I can tell you that's true. And it's not only true for me, it's true for everyone. Um, he can surround you with the right people. He can heal every hurt that you have. He can supply every need. He can heal some relationships. Now, some relationships shouldn't be healed. We've talked about that in church lately, um, but I'm just talking about the ones that should. <laughs> um, and if there's one thing that I want everyone to take from tonight is that no matter what you used to identify as, nothing has more power to shape your life than giving your life to Jesus. If you've given your heart to Jesus, you don't need to identify as anything other than an anointed and loved child of God. Um, now, I will say it wasn't like I woke up one day and just everything was good. I didn't have anything against anybody, nothing like that. Um, it's all been a process and one that I found so far, there's some situations that it's a choice I have to make regularly. It's not just a one-time choice. It's a, okay, I chose to forgive you yesterday. Nothing's changed. I'm still, I'm going to forgive you again today. Um, and, uh, but I have, I can testify that it's getting easier and easier all the time. Forgiveness is a choice and not a feeling. 
in fact, in the beginning with some situations, you probably have to choose forgiveness despite what you're feeling in the moment. And that's something that I think a lot of people aren't prepared for. I know uh, there's one time I can think of my youngest brother and I both lived away from the family. I, I had been gone a few years and my brother had just left. And um, my brother was close enough. He could go home every couple weeks. And my mom, there was one weekend he wasn't going to make it. And my mom went and flew to see him uh, because he wasn't going to make it. And that broke my heart because I'm like, I've been gone for years. You haven't come to see me one time. Um, and, and that had happened after I had, the Lord had started dealing with me about forgiving her. Um, and something I wasn't prepared for is that once I had gotten um, to the, sorry, I skipped a sentence. So the Lord had started dealing with me about forgiving her, and I wasn't prepared for that, um, feeling that pain again, because because I had felt unforgiveness towards her for so long, I was kind of calloused when it came to her, so it didn't matter what she did or didn't do. But when I forgave her, I could feel it again, and I wasn't prepared for that. Um, another thing was... Um, I, me and my brother both went home at the same time, and we had a niece born in that time that we were gone. And uh, my mom was like, oh, I need a picture of you with the baby, and took a picture with my brother and the baby, and I was just sitting there like, what about me? <laughs> but that's when I started to learn that, you know, forgiveness doesn't mean the other person has to change. It just means that you make the choice to forgive them. Um, and even though they don't change, you're still responsible for your reaction. Um, something else the Lord has been dealing with me is about is people always say that forgiveness is for you, not the other person. And while it's true that it's important for you, in some cases it, it is about the other person too. Um, the Lord has been dealing with me about that uh, with my dad because after him and my mom split up, he was kind of in and out of our lives all the time. And it was especially hard for me, I think, because he was my only blood parent that I knew. And he, he wasn't around still. Um, and so in the natural, a lot of people would say, you have every right not to go out of your way to talk to him because he's not going out of his way to talk to me. But something the Lord's been dealing with me about is, what if me showing him the love of God is what leads to his salvation? You know, we always say some somebody else can reach him, but what about in this case my dad? He's not around anybody else that loves Jesus, and so what if that's what it takes? Um, and like I said, it's not true in every situation. Some relationships should not be restored, but this this is what the Lord is telling me about my dad and what He may be speaking to you about different relationships. Um. I was also thinking, you know, if I never talk to him again at the end of his life, am I going to say, man, I'm so happy I proved my point. I'm so happy I never gave him another chance. Or am I going to wish that I'd taken any chance I had to show him the love of God? Um, when I decided I wanted to show him the love of God, that meant I couldn't treat him as a saint, 
I couldn't treat him the same as I had. I couldn't talk to him closed off anymore. I had to give him an opportunity to be a different person. The last time we were in Indiana, I got to talk to my dad, and while parts of it were crazy because we're still working on ourselves, parts of it were good because I got to tell him that the Lord was on his side no matter what he felt like, and that freedom is available for him just like it is for me. Um, and the better our relationship is, the more he can see Jesus in me. He doesn't see Jesus in me if I treat him like the mistakes he's made. And the bottom line is that's not how God treats him or me or you either. Um, I've heard people say that they've forgiven people, but in the next breath blame their actions on the other person. Um, forgiveness depends on our choice, not our feelings or the other person's actions. You don't have to be everybody's best friend, but you do have to be able to love them. Some people will never be in your life again, but you still need to forgive them. I know that for me, one of the first people the Lord began dealing with me about forgiving is my biological mom's boyfriend who had abused me, and um, that was hard to do. <laughs> um, and I'm not ever planning on seeing this man again, obviously, but it's still important that in my heart, everything's good. And... Um, even in the natural, if you do a Google search, they'll tell you unforgiveness is bad for your health. Um, and that's not to mention becoming everything I'm supposed to be in Christ, because those things will hold you back as well. Um, but I got to a point with that situation where I was like, you know, I feel okay about it. I don't have any negative feelings toward him. And the Lord challenged me again, and he said, okay, but would you pray for him? Would you pray that I touch him like I've touched you? Would you pray that I use him like I've used you? And that was challenging. That's when you realize, okay, I'm not where I thought I was. But that's what's awesome about God is he's always pushing you to the next level to make sure you really are all good. <laughs> um, and now I can say I'm good with it. Now I, I pray that he's in heaven when I get to heaven. And you know what's going to happen is if he is, we're both going to be praising Jesus that we're both there. And that's awesome to me. Um, but that's an example of a relationship that doesn't, I don't need to go be this guy's friend. But I do need to be able to pray for him. Um, and that was hard for me at first, but it revealed uh, the heart of God to me. And I always think of that moment when God told me that. Um, when I read the scripture that says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, our problem is not with people, no matter how big the problem is. And that scripture brings me to the scripture that says, the vengeance of the Lord is to comfort those who mourn. The reason the vengeance of the Lord is to comfort those who mourn is because God knows what we're really fighting against. It's easy for us to go up to strangers and tell them God loves them and has a good plan for their life, but it's hard for us to remember that about people who have hurt us. I've heard a song that goes, break my heart for what breaks yours. I'm sure you've all have heard it too, but what's going to be shocking to some of us is that what breaks his heart is, um, is when people are secluded um, from society. <laughs> um, that are without him, like the people, I said that all kind of weird, but um, everyone needs Jesus, and some people we think they don't deserve Jesus, none of us deserve Jesus, <laughs> that's the thing, um, 
Pastor Zig tells a testimony of one of his services where a man told, his, told Pastor Zig his son was killed, and for years he carried a shotgun around because it was his intention to kill the man who did it on sight. And there was one night both of those men were in the service, and, um, but God dealt with the father's heart, and they both ended up crying and hugging and praising God. And um, that just reminds me that with God, all things are possible. Uh, something the Lord told me is if he can forgive them, right, what right do I have to not forgive them? Um, anytime that I've gone to God about someone else, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm like, it's okay if I talk to God about them. But, and I call it praying, but you're really not praying. You're just complaining to God about somebody. Um, but every time I've done that, he turns my attention to myself. And, um, you know, what did I do that was similar? Or what did I do to cause that situation? And maybe I really was innocent in that situation, but the Lord will still turn my attention to myself. Um, I heard Pastor Zig say this. He said, Jesus isn't the accuser of the brethren, so if we're blaming our actions on other people, that tells us who we're being influenced by. Uh, so I'm going to end with this. Um, and I've shared this before, but I was talking to the Lord about a situation, and I was for real worked up about it. And I was like, Lord, I knew this person would do this. You know, why are they like this? And the Lord stopped me, and he said, Ayla, who are you preparing the atmosphere for right now, um, me or the devil? And that's the moment that I realized that the atmosphere of my life is up to me, no one else. So I wanted to end by saying we choose every day whether to create an atmosphere for the Lord to work or for the devil to work. It's up to us. Um. Can you end it for me?